the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. W.H. Weiskarper, a recent guest on the show, has pledged 50% of the proceeds from his book Twilight of Empire from sales between October 1st and October 31st to support the Tom Sumner program. W.H. Weiskarper, a former National Security Advisor and counsel for the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, pulls no punches, fusing history with political intrigue in Twilight of Empire, the third of four planned novels in the Resurrection Saga series. W.H. Carver's book, Twilight of Empire, shows that the U.S. has all the wealth, science, and resources to solve every issue we face today. Twilight of Empire by W.H. Weiscarver is available on Amazon and Apple Books. For more information and to support the Tom Sumner Program, visit whyscarver.com. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour. I'm Tom Sumner. My guest this hour is probably uh, best known um, as a uh, for founding and leading the team that created the Xbox. He uh, then served as Microsoft's president of the Entertainment Devices Division, which, of course, led him to write a thriller novel. Um, <laughs> he uh, actually uh, that's that's truer than than not. Um, his uh, debut novel is The Wilkes Insurrection, a contemporary thriller by Robbie Bach, who joins me by phone. Hi, Robbie. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Nice of you to have me on. Um, so, um, is that the the normal outgrowth of? Uh, uh, is that the retirement plan at Microsoft? You leave and go write a novel? No, I, look, it's, it's not. It's not that crazy that people leave Microsoft as a senior person or whatever and decide to write a book. That's happened before. Uh, writing a novel is a little bit out of the box, but your your statement isn't far from the truth. Look, you know, you work with video game guys for a big chunk of your career, and what they do is tell stories. That's true, and. 
and so some of that somehow has rubbed off on me and I, I've always loved to write. And then, you know, you go through this Xbox experience of watching people tell these crazy, amazing stories. And it was inspiring to explore another side of my uh, personality, I suppose. Well, what, um, where did the idea of this story come from? And I really want to ask you about the title, because when I first saw the title, The Wilkes Insurrection, first thing I thought of was the conspiracy to kill Abraham Lincoln. And then, and then it follows up with a contemporary thriller. And, and my next thought was, oh, descendants of the conspirators to kill Abraham Lincoln. Um, but, but really, where did the, the story come from? And, um, you know, and, and what is the significance of the name Wilkes? So the story, the story starts actually from characters. So I, I literally wrote, uh, almost 100 pages of character arcs about four or five characters. And just these are characters that have been running around in my head. I didn't have a plot in mind. I didn't honestly really have a genre in mind. And then I started to imagine how these characters who are modern-day people came together and where their paths crossed. And from that came a plot. And then there was a villain. And then I suddenly excuse me, realized, oh, my gosh, I'm writing a thriller, which I love. And so for me, that was sort of a, a nice discovery. And, That's interesting uh, because I, I've asked a lot of writers, you know, which comes first, a story and then you cast characters into it like a movie? Or do the characters come first and then you come up with a story of something that might happen to these people? And it sounds like you did the latter. You know, I've talked to a bunch of, of writers, uh, authors, people who write music, people who write screenplays, whatever. None of them use the same process. It's, 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 they don't even use the same writing tools, for crying out loud. It's very interesting. So I think it's because it's a creative process, I think it's a very uh, personal, iterative thing. And one person's creativity comes from their ability to design plot. Another person comes from their ability to create characters. A third might come from their uh, unique ability to do dialogue and scene description or whatever it is. And you use that as the place you start from because that's what you're good at. Um, and, you know, I've discovered that, I, I, you know, creating these characters is really fun. I, I like doing it. I think they came together in a, in a super unique way. Now, you asked a question about the Wilkes insurrection. And I will, without giving away any of the plot, this is absolutely a contemporary book. Um, it has nothing to do with the Abraham Lincoln uh, <laughs> uh, murders or anything like that. But there is a Lincoln-esque theme that runs through the book. And uh, the main villain in the story, this isn't giving anything away, his name is Ford Wilkes. So it's called <laughs> the Wilkes Insurrection for a reason. <laughs> and if you know your history, you know where the word Ford came from, because that's the theater where Abraham Lincoln was killed. Um, so that's sort of a, you know, more of an Easter egg than it is a plot line. Um, but there is a Lincoln-esque aspect to uh, what goes on in this story. It's a story about what's going on in our country. Uh, I mean, well, that's, that's the other thing. I mean, I, it's obviously a thriller. That's the, the other thing that I wanted to bring up and ask about, because the book starts with a, 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 an interesting sort of twist right off the bat with a commercial airliner crashing on mm. a military runway. Mm. That, that um, 
draws two worlds together right off the bat and 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 it leads into a thing that's about the uh, about an insurrection that's going on that's a nationwide issue right and right I, and so I couldn't help wondering. Ahead, I, 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 I'm sorry to take so long to get to this, Robbie, but no, no, I, it's okay. I couldn't help wondering when you wrote this book and whether or not any of it was informed by what happened at the Capitol on January sixth. So this is the I, I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling only because I wrote ninety um, percent of the plot. Uh, in 2016 and 2017, um, including all the action sequences that um, relate to the Wilkes insurrection and all of those things. And what is what has been interesting for me to watch, when I started, you know, you write a thriller, you want to pick things that surprise people that maybe are a little bit unusual, a little bit out there, something that's out of the ordinary. And so I tried to do that. And then as I'm editing and narrowing and trimming and refining my craft because I'm a first-time novelist and I'm, I'm doing all that work, I'm watching things happen in our country that I, you know, are closely related to things that happen in the book. And, you know, art imitating life, life imitating art, who knows? But um, that's the way it was. So the, the, the thing that inspires the name The Wilkes Insurrection was written in 2016. Um, and... You know, you, that's just, uh, I, I can't explain that. And there's a number of things that when people read the book, they'll think, oh, you know, he took that from this. And, you know, the reality is I wrote that <laughs> before it happened. But, but, that, <laughs> but that also raises uh, a couple of questions. How much of the storyline was informed by the the storylines that you would have been exposed to in the gaming world and and how much of it was inspired by events that you saw playing out on fox and cnn and sure. evening I, like the, the short answer is all of the above <laughs> i think a, i think I, you know i think as an author look authors consciously or subconsciously write from life. They write from their experience, from what they see, from what they know, from what they think. And so I certainly, there are elements of, there's big elements of technology and cyber uh, uh, technology in this book. No question that comes from my background at Microsoft and from my time in the video game space. Um, there's a augmented reality company that plays a role in this book called Cybernoptics. Right, so that comes a little bit from my video game space and from some research I've done with that technology. So there's there's absolutely some of those things that have come from my background, but then there's other things that are coming from the way you see life uh, around us and you see uh, what's going on in the country. And I, you know, I always people sort of say, "Well, what's your hope for this book?" First thing is, I hope you love it as a thriller. So <laughs> I hope you I, I hope you experience and just say, "Wow, that was a great story." And I was—I didn't expect that to happen. So I hope you love the thriller. I obviously, because I started with the characters, I hope you love the characters. And then there's a, a moment deep down inside me that at the end of the book, I hope you, you pause after you say, gosh, that was a great story and I love the characters. You say, oh, I learned a little something too. And, you know, that to me is the triple crown of outcomes if people, if people read the Wilkes Insurrection. Well, as you were talking about how 
everything in life sort of informs the development of, of the story, not just in this book, but in any novel. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, and I could hear the words of David Baldacci. He was telling me about uh, a trip that he and his wife took to um, the Grand Canyon. And then uh, guess where his next novel begins? In the Grand Canyon. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and and well, so and, and I ask him and and I ask you kind of the same question now that you've you've written a novel. Do you find yourself, you know, looking at everything and thinking, Oh, that's that's good for a story. You know, I, I have to admit I do. And <laughs> it's and it's not just things that are happening around me. Like I'll watch a uh, or this goofy thing. Right? I'm, uh, I happen to be in Boston. We did some sightseeing. So we just came back and decided to watch the movie National Treasure, right? oh. which I have seen, <laughs> which, which is a great, it's a great sort of thriller adventure action movie. And it's a movie I've watched 10 times. I am still and waiting for, I, I'm still waiting for the third. I, I understand. We have the same <laughs> comment at the, end, at the end of it. But the, my point is, as I'm, as I'm watching that, that movie, I notice things now that I never noticed before because I've been writing. You see things that they did subtly and subconsciously. Then you go, oh, that, <laughs> how interesting, right? You know, little things where they make little hints about things that are going to come that you suddenly, you know, um, say, okay, that was uh, author's art. And, um, you know, so you can't, you can't help but think that way. And, you know, you try to infuse as much of that as you can into the work because, you know, one of the goals is to make the book interesting. And you want the writing to be, I don't want to use the word sophisticated, but you want it to have some art to it. Well, and, and you want to stay just a little bit ahead of the reader. You don't want the reader Correct. jumping, you know, right to the end of the book. Well, and that's especially true in a thriller because you, you know, the art of the thriller is the end of every chapter has to leave the person wanting to turn the page to the next chapter for sure. And so you have to figure out how to create those moments of, of excitement, of capture, of suspense, without, as you correctly point out, giving away the ultimate outcome. And without having them know what direction you're actually headed. Um, and I will tell you, for me as a writer... Um, I had some plot twists in my mind. Uh, as soon as I started to think this was a thriller, I had some plot twists in my mind. But thinking about how to write in a leading way to that without giving it away, that was really hard. Um, and that was some of the most challenging, you know, what's enough to keep people enticed without giving it away? That's a, that's a hard question that I bet David Baldacci and, and others in this space ask themselves every day. Um. Robbie, I have to take a break here, but but I'm sure. fascinated by this book. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Absolutely. Happy to do it. All right. My guest is uh, Robbie Bach, and uh, he uh, it was the leader of the team that created the Xbox, but he has a new book, um, a uh, thriller called The Wilkes Insurrection, a contemporary thriller. And we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well, and then we'll be right back.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with the author of a uh, new book called The Wilkes Insurrection, a contemporary thriller. His name is Robbie Bach, and he joins me by phone. Robbie, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, no, happy to do it. I found the advertisements quite amusing, actually. <laughs> they were quite good. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, now, you mentioned during the last segment that you come up with the uh, with the characters first. And that kind of suggests to me that one of the questions I ask a lot of writers is when you get to the end of a book, um, you know, does it become a series because you think to yourself, but wait, there's more. But when it's character-driven, is it... it does it invite the further adventures of? Well, the the main character in my book is a is a woman. Her name is Major Tanika Smith, and you know I I I will admit that you know she was one of the first five I wrote about, and she wasn't, but she wasn't the person who I thought would be the primary character. And then as the plot developed and as she developed as a character, I thought, oh wow, you know, she's she's the real deal. And so I, when I when I step back away from the Wilkes insurrection and say, well, what's next? Um, you know, I, I do ask the question exactly from Tamika's perspective. I put myself in her voice and in her mind, and I say, is there more to the story? Is there more to my story? Do I have more things to tell? And I don't know the answer to that question yet. I'm not objective enough yet. I want to you know get the book out, have people read it, get some reviews, see what people think, have some discussions. And then probably in January or February, I'll sit down and say, okay, does Tamika have more to say? And uh, I really, it, it, it sounds, I suppose it sounds goofy and weird, but I th- I'm going to think about it from her perspective, not mine. <laughs> no, that doesn't sound weird at all. In fact, I, I was just going to ask, when you, you know, come up with some characters and then you see them in action in the story mm-hmm. that you're unfolding, do they evolve and, and does that evolution ever surprise you? the the creator it they do this will be hard to describe to your listeners but it is an interactive process even in the world in which i'm just writing on paper and i'm not actually interacting with the characters so you know tamika certainly involved the first character i wrote about was a guy named johnny humboldt um who still plays a major role in the in the story but his character is different um there's a an air force uh colonel who uh, plays an important role in the story, who started out as a bit character and a little bit of a, of a bad person. And he ends up having a, a, a challenging side, but being somebody who uh, has some positives to him as well. And his role evolved dramatically from where I initially saw him. So it's, it, it's an interactive process. And uh, I think as an author, your job is to follow your instincts on these things. Um, and, and, and yeah, having said all that, I know there are authors who start with a full outline and then write the story. I, I, and I absolutely know there are people who do it that way and it works for them. Uh, for me, it's, uh, you know, sort of follow your nose. You know, that raises a question I had, it, and I haven't had a chance to read the book yet. I do have it and I, and, and yep. I have thumbed through it a little bit, but the, the plane crash that opens the book 
Does that start an investigation that leads into all of this uh, um, plotting and, and insurrection, or is it the uh, is it the big boulder rolling down the cave at the beginning of Indiana Jones? No, it starts the story. Uh, it, starts, it starts the story. There's no, there's no, there's no random. It's not a James Bond movie where it's the end of his previous adventure and then you start the new adventure. No, the, I'm glad. Aircraft, I'm glad you understood what I meant by that. I understood exactly what you meant. Um, it is. It's actually the first attack of, and I'm not giving anything away because you discover this relatively early in the story. It's the first attack of. Of a, a person who is a, a committed anarchist, and uh, he brings his plane down and and doesn't stop there. And so the the plot line that runs through the story again, this isn't a spoiler. You can see this on the if you go to the website wilkinsurrection.com, you'll see a video trailer and you'll you'll see this you'll see this play out. Is you know this this character believes that. Uh, um, you know, we'd be better off in an anarchic world, and he wants to make it happen. Now, as the founder of Xbox, mm. and you just mentioned a video trailer for the book on the website. Right. I, the two questions come immediately to mind. One, when you're writing, are you seeing the story visually? And two... Does that mean you would like to see this on the big or small screen? Uh, for me, and again, I think there's a uniqueness to this for each author, at least that's my suspicion. But for me, I write visually. I, I literally have a picture in my mind of what is happening, and I try to write to describe that. That's the way my writing works. Um, sometimes the events are taking place at a place where I've actually been, so I know what it looks like. But sometimes, you know, it's, you know, the main, the, the book opens at Offutt Air Force Base, which is actually a secure location. I've never been there. Um, but I have a vision for what that looks like in my head, and I write from that vision and, and try to bring that to life. You know, as to whether this book goes further than just a book, you know, I've always felt like, and I think this is true with a lot of thrillers, that... Um, bringing them to life on the, the medium or the bigger screen um, is always an option. And, you know, I've had a couple of people knock on my door who have uh, seen the video trailer or been to the website or whatever. So we'll see how that plays out. I, it's not why I wrote the book, and it's not sort of the, uh, the inspiration for what I, what I do. But because it's a thriller and because I do write from this visual angle, it, it probably does lend itself to that. And, and by the way, it has a character who I think is uh, screenworthy in uh, Major Tanika Smith. And that makes me wonder, if you're writing visually, are you visualizing these characters? And whose faces do you put on them? People you know or <laughs> actors you'd like to see play them in the movie? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, really, it's really super interesting. Um, I, I don't put... I, I don't, when I think about what Tanika looks like or what Johnny looks like or what uh, Colonel Jerry Jessup looks like, I, I have visual images of them, but they aren't of people I know. And, and, and perhaps that's, again, a, a strange. They are, in my, in my mind, I've said, okay, this is who they are. I mean, to, uh, Major Tanika Smith, and again, not giving away any, any big plot thing, 
she's an Olympic class sprinter at the Air Force Academy. So, you know, I think of her as an athlete. She happens to be a combat veteran, but she's an athlete. Um, you know, Colonel Jerry Jessup is a combat pilot. So, you know, we all have that image, that Top Gun image in our minds of what combat pilots look like. And so I have one of those images uh, in my mind for, for what he looks like. And then, of course, the challenge is, how do you describe that to somebody uh, in the written word? Uh, and as a first-time uh, author, I think that's some of the most challenging work for me is bringing those character descriptions to life so that the reader has an image in their mind of what that person looks like. And it might not even be the same as mine, but they at least have to have an image and be able to say, oh, that's Tamika Smith. I was trying to think of the uh, author's name that uh, wrote the Lincoln rhyme stories. And... Oh, I don't know. You're, that's a good question. I don't know the answer. I, I I just tried to look it up real quick, and all I could find were the TV references, and I didn't have time to, to complete. And I, and I should remember his name. He's been on the show. And and, and it, I wanted to bring something up he said that spoke to this idea of not having a carved-out person in mind when you're looking mm. at your characters in the story. Because... He didn't imagine Lincoln Rhyme was black. Right. And yet, you know, right. we've come to know Denzel Washington as Lincoln Rhyme from the <laughs> from the films. All right. And and so that would not have been the image that he saw as he was writing that character, which I I think is is a good thing, but I I just I couldn't help wondering, you know, do you put faces on them? Because very often writers will tell me that the characters they come up with are amalgams of actual mm. people they know or characters that they've loved from books and movies and so on. Well, I think, look, I think that's, that's more likely to be true and probably is more likely true in my case with their actual characteristics and habits and the way they act. And my, and for me, at least, not really in the way that they in the in the way that they look. But you know, it's it's interesting. You talk about this, you know, this question of you know, <laughs> did didn't didn't know that the character was black. Um, you know, there's this uh, there's a uh, I'm blanking on the the title of the book, but there's a um, a book where there's a lawyer who's describing in this scene, and he. He's talking to an all-white jury, and he, he talks about the pain and suffering that this little girl went through, and la, la, la. And then he gets to the end of his closing argument, and then he says, now imagine she was black. And, and I think, you know, that's an interesting thought process for us all to go through in terms of how we think about race and how we think about our own identities and the identities of other people. And, uh, you know, I'm certain that there are, are characters in my book where I don't identify their race and where they could very well be black or brown or, or, or white. Um, in the case of Tamika Smith, I clearly identify, identify her as biracial because that plays a role in the, in the story. But uh, it's an interesting thing about what preconceived notions we bring to those, those parts of the table. Well, I, I, I did find the, uh, the author's name of the Lincoln Rhyme, the Bone Collector stories, uh, Jeffrey Deaver. Ah, right. Yes, of course. I, I, sh I should have remembered, and, and my apologies to him for not, but my, my memory is not what it once was. <laughs> In fact, I, saw, uh, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can share I can share that with you for sure. <laughs> um, 
I, I remember talking to a writer who was a very prolific author. She had dozens of books out, and um, and and they were in series. And I asked her, "How do you remember what's happened to all these people?" And she says, "I have a staff." <laughs> <laughs> And that was like Mary Higgins okay. Clark um, said that she was really terrible about technology, but technology would pop up in her books. And I said, "How do you how do you find out? How do you know to, how to write about it?" She says, "I've got a guy." <laughs> <laughs> well, what about know, the, what about that? What about the research that goes into a story? I mean, here you've got a commercial airliner right right out right off the bat crashing crash landing on a military airstrip and so you've got military policies and procedures you've got FAA you've got all of these different players um, how do you make sure that you don't get tangled up in in all of that well so you, you do a couple of different things one there's some of it where I have uh, pretty good knowledge myself so there's a boardroom scene in the Wilkes insurrection. Um, I know that scene. I've been there. I've experienced it. Um, the scene wasn't exactly the same, but it is, you know, right there. And I and I understand um, how that plays out. You know, in airliner crashing, I worked for Pan Am Airlines. Some of you, uh, your li uh, listeners, will remember that that airline. <laughs> the younger ones won't. So I know a little bit about the airplane space. I know a lot about the technology space. So there are a few places where I have some background myself. But then like military, you know, my, my dad served in the, in the Navy, um, but that was a long time ago. And I didn't have the, I'll, I'll, I'll say admittedly, the courage to, to serve in the military. So I interviewed five Air Force veterans and asked them to read through parts of the book and give me feedback on things I was writing about. Um, and and help me with that. And so the acknowledgments books, the acknowledgment section in the Wilson section is actually quite long um, <laughs> because there's a lot of people who help me with the, with the technical details. And as a as an author, your job is to get the technology and the details and the description right, and then know just the right amount of literary license to take um, because it advances the story. And so I'm sure there are places where I've shortcut on the technology in in my book. Um, not because I didn't think it was important to me technically accurate, but I wanted to be te technically um, in the right ballpark, but having also disturbed the, the plot and the, and the storyline as well. Well, the book. Uh, by the way, the scene, the, the, scene, the scene I described earlier is from a book in a movie called A Time to Kill, which I highly recommend. Um, it's uh, Matthew McConaughey. He's in the movie. He's the lawyer. It's a it's a great movie. Anyway, sorry. We now have both recovered our memories on the internet. So that's, <laughs> that's <a good> <laughs> well, Robbie's uh, Robbie, your book, uh, The Wilkes Insurrection, a contemporary thriller. How how contemporary? I mean, is it uh, you know eighties or nineties or is it? I mean, is it supposed to be twenty twenty one? It's 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 right right now. The book takes place from uh, 2019 to 2021. And include in some way the pandemic we've all been living through? So the pandemic is the one thing that was a small addition to the plot 
uh, fairly late in the process. Everything else was basically baked there from the beginning. But the pandemic, you know, I, I couldn't write about 2020 and, and not and just pretend the pandemic didn't exist. Well, I've um, actually heard it referred to the pandemic as being 2020. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so so how do you how do you write about that whole year and not write about it? And and how do you write a contemporary story without including it? And at the same time, the book is absolutely not about the pandemic. So the pandemic plays a a small role. And imagine if you're an anarchist, the pandemic is the best thing that's ever happened to you. It's the gift of all gifts. And my uh, my anarchist is is smart. And he understands what a gift that is. With um, have this is a debut novel for you, mm. but have you written other things about tech or? Yeah, this it's actually my it's actually my second book. I wrote a book in and that was published in 2015 called Xbox Revisited. Um, which is not a tell-all about the Xbox, creation of Xbox, although it has a bunch of stories in it. What it is is it's a strategy book. It's a business and civic strategy book, and it takes the lessons we learned as a team and that I learned as a leader building and, and growing Xbox and tries to apply it to some of the business and civic challenges we face in our country. And so it's a, you know, it's a serious nonfiction uh, hardcore strategy book, and I loved writing that. Um, it's where I sort of reconnected with my love for writing generally. Um, and, and I use things from that book in my public speaking, in my consulting work, and the work I do with nonprofits um, all the time. But when I, it's, when I finished that book, it's when I sat down after that book and said, wow, I really loved writing. I'd forgotten how much I loved writing. But I then had to decide, was I going to write another nonfiction book or was I going to uh, sally forth and, and try to do something really crazy and write a, a, a novel? And I, I chose the, uh, the fearless go-forward strategy to, to write a novel. Um, I, do you, uh, are you pretty disciplined when you write, Robbie? I mean, do you sit down at a blank screen and there's going to be so much there when you get up? Or... Um, or, or do you write to a schedule? How do, how do you do that? I am... Um, Are you a bench well, writer? All, <laughs> yeah, so first of all, we should, we should understand that writing takes up about uh, 35 to 40% of my time. So I, I, I'm an active public speaker. I'll probably give 50 or so public speeches, mostly at colleges and universities, pro bono speeches in business and business school classes. Um, I do a lot of work with nonprofits, which takes up another huge chunk of my time. So when I write, I have to be serious about it because it's 30% of my time. And so I'll take, there'll be two weeks where I'll say, okay, these are two weeks where I can get a lot of writing done because the next two weeks I have board meetings and other things that I'm doing. So in those two weeks, I'll try to get down to my, my office at eight o'clock in the morning. I'll spend the first hour rewriting the terrible stuff I wrote the last time I was writing and <laughs> fixing it and correcting it and making it, bringing it up to snuff. And then I'll spend another two or three hours uh, writing as much as I can that's fruitful in that time period. And, uh, you know, more than three or four hours, you know, my brain starts to freeze and the writing starts to get bad and I know I'm going to have to rewrite it anyway, so I should just pause. Um, and then I'll go and take a... You know, take a nice somewhere in here. I'll take a nice long dog walk with my dog, and 
that's where my brain gets refreshed and, and actually where a lot of the ideas for the Wilkes Instruction came was from my four to five mile dog walks with my uh, trusty Labrador Roscoe. Well, let me ask you this real quickly um, before we run out of time. When you created and, and were working on the development of the Xbox, how much of that was about form or technology and how much was about substance or content? And how did that uh, inform your writing in the, the world of thrillers? It's, it's, a, it's an awesome question because I think of the video game space as being sort of this weird mashup of Silicon Valley and Hollywood. <laughs> and, That's a great way and, to think of it. And, and so Xbox was exactly that. There are parts of it that were the it, you know hardest core technology you could imagine. Some of the most difficult technology developed at Microsoft in that time frame, hardware and software. And yet there's things like Halo, you know, this great transcendent game, which is pure inspiration and artistry and storyline and all the rest. And those things have to come together. And it, it's a general thesis, I'll just say, that I have that music, video games, uh, TV, video, um, radio, all these forms of entertainment um, are intersecting now in super interesting ways. I mean, it's why the Wilson Insurrection has a playlist. If you go to the website, there's a music playlist that you can click on and go to Spotify and play. And the same for each of the characters. Because I wanted music to feel like it was part of the story and, in fact, helped inspire some of the story. And so I think there's this, this blending of technology worlds that um, is super interesting and that is hardcore tech and hardcore creative at the same time. Um, Robbie, and, we, we have to wrap things up here, but I, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about and about you and your work past present and future because we really didn't get a chance to talk about some of your public service uh work and and i just um want to ask do, do you have a website where people can check you out and and your work past present and future yeah there's there's actually a website for myself and a website for the book. So the website for me is creatively named RobbieBach.com. So that's R-O-B-B-I-E-B-A-C-H.com. And that's where my speaking work is. You can learn about some of the things I do in the nonprofit space. Um, my first book is is uh, promoted there, et cetera. And then uh, this book, The Wilkes Insurrection, has a website also creatively named WilkesInsurrection.com. Um, and there you can find everything out about the book. And those two websites are linked, so you can go back and forth. And you know, probably the place where I'm most productive is on LinkedIn. I've probably written 50 or 60 blog posts on LinkedIn. So if you want to check me out on LinkedIn, um, that's easy to do. And uh, look me up and uh, have a read and uh, drop me a note. Well, I'm not surprised at how easy those, uh, those website names are coming from the guy who came up with the Xbox. <laughs> well, you know, the funny, just, just, I, I know you're short of time, but the funny thing about that Xbox name is it was a code name. It's not even something we created. It was the project code name. <laughs> it was a working title, and it stuck. Yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. It was so much better than the stuff that the professionals came up with that we stuck with it. So there you go. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Robbie, thanks so much. I appreciate being out with you, Tom. Take care. Take care. Robbie Bach, author of The Wilkes Insurrection, a contemporary thriller, and also the uh, founder and, and uh, creator of Xbox. We'll have more right after this.
Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to AmericanSchismBook.com. 
MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Another five-minute mystery. Our story takes place in Green's Gap, a small town in the Southern Cavern District. Green's Gap Hospital, Dr. Melville speaking. Doctor, doctor, there's been an accident out at Echo Cavern. Accident? What kind of accident? Two men were exploring and they got lost last night. One's unconscious. You better come quick before he's dead. I hope you know how to get out to Echo Cavern, man. Well, with the job of being town constable and ambulance driver, I reckon I know all there is to know about these parts. Ever been in the cavern, Lem? Once, Doc Melville, when I was a boy. Nearly got my hide tanned off by my paw. Echo Cavern's a mighty treacherous place. You mean it's easy to get lost in it? Not only that, Doc. It's that cavern gas carbine. Mmm, something. You mean carbon dioxide? Yeah, that's it. All of a sudden, you run into some of that stuff, and before you know it, Bing, you're out. Still, people seem to be going uh, exploring in there. More fools to be. I wouldn't go into them caverns, at least, till I was not without a dog. A dog? What for? Well, if a dog keels over, then you know the gas is collecting. I'm afraid, Mr. Gaddy, your friend is dead. Oh, poor Patsy. It wasn't from the gas, was it, Doc? That's what it looks like to me. Why'd you go into that cavern anyway? Patsy asked me to. We'd never seen a cave before. How far did you go in? Well, it didn't seem very far, but all of a sudden we lost our way. Where was that? Well, how do I know whereabouts it was if we was lost? We tried to trace our way back, but it was no use. Patsy started to get scared. It's kind of funny to see a big guy like that get scared. Yeah, he is rather big, isn't he? Yeah, six foot four. The mob used to call us Mutt and Jeff. And then what happened? Well, I was a little scared myself, but we stuck together. You know, walking in the dark with only my flash from the car. All of a sudden, Pat's keeled over. From the gas? Yeah, that's what I figured. His head hit on a rock, and I guess that just about finished him off. I suppose you reckon yourself pretty lucky, mister. Yeah, sure. I figure it's because I'm only five foot three that I got out of there alive. Gas must have been just about a foot over my head. Yeah, and what do you think about that, Doc Melville? I think you better arrest Mr. Gotti for the murder of his friend Patsy. What was the flaw in Gotti's story? Do you know it? In a moment, we'll hear from Lem and Dr. Melville.
And now, let's see whether you're as observant as Lem and the doctor. Hey, copper, let me put my hands down. They're tired. When you're in Green Gap's jail, not before. I don't get it. It was a good story. I still can't figure out how you found out. Lem tells me they used to take dogs in the cavern because the gas is heavier than air. It collects on the floor. If you really meant gas, you would have keeled over first, before your pal Patsy. Well, what do you know? I tell you, nowadays in this murder racket, you need a college education. Another five-minute mystery. This five-minute mystery featured the voices of Rhonda Groves Young, Randy Zimmerman, Sean Cantwell, and yours truly, Tom Sumner. Stay tuned to the Tom Sumner Program for future mini-mysteries. Stand shy. Stand shy. 
Mistress of the Dark, and you're celebrating Schlocktober with Tom Sumner. Armchair Politics is going to hell. Hell, Michigan, that is, and you are invited. On October 27th, Wednesday before Halloween, Armchair Politics will be broadcasting live from 9 a.m. to noon from the Hell Saloon in Hell, Michigan, near Pinckney. This will be our first in-person meeting of the Tom Sumner Program's weekly roundtable armchair politics since the beginning of the pandemic. Join me and roundtable regulars Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, plus more on Wednesday, October 27, 2021, starting at 9 a.m. at the Hell Saloon. Armchair politics is going to hell, and you can too. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. Uh, of course, that was uh, our Schlocktober pick of the day. Um, we've been ending the show with that every day this month in October while everybody else is celebrating Rocktober and Shocktober. We celebrate Schlocktober with a different horrible recording. And as I've said before, you might love the artist, you might love the song, but the two together, maybe not so much. And that who, who would have thought that those paths would have crossed Mae West and the song Twist and Shout. I um, want to say thanks to all the guests that were on the show today. Robbie Bach, a former president at Microsoft and leader of the team that created the Xbox, talking about his debut novel, the Wilkes Insurrection, a contemporary thriller. And uh, thanks, Robbie. Uh, also want to say thanks to uh, Dr. Per Olaf Hasselgren, talking about a very fascinating subject in his new book, Revolutionary Surgeons, Patriots and Loyalists on the Cutting Edge. And we started off uh, acknowledging Pharmacy Awareness Week, which goes on all this week, with uh, an expert in the field um, from Express Scripts Pharmacy, Susan Peppers, talking about how the role of pharmacists has uh, changed over the years and over the course of the pandemic. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. It's nice to have you along for... Uh, uh, I can't, I, I, I'm always amazed when I get to the end of the show at how fast these three-hour tours go. But uh, I will be back with another one, which includes Armchair Politics in the second and third hour. And uh, Bobby Clayton Walton will be joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter. I hope you will, too. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.